All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is the Wally and Mathot Show Live. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Hi, uh, hello, everybody. I'm Brent Wallace, and coming to you in crystal clear dial up, uh, Mark Mathot. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you, Wally? <laughs> uh, good to see you. Um, by the way, uh, the Wally Mathot Show Live brought to you by BEI, Bonshire Excavating Inc. BEI specializes in excavation, grading, drainage, drainage projects. And of course, uh, equipment rentals, aggregate and topsoil sales. Bonisher excavating, helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Uh, Meth coming up in the show, lots to talk about today. The chat is open, we are live. Uh, feel free to use that in the YouTube side of things. Uh, we have your Olympic announcement coming up. We're gonna have our guest help you out with that. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. And I would like to point out that on the weekend, I went out and got a tattoo of your face on my belly and I'm hoping that perhaps you could sign a picture for me. <laughs> I can't believe that. We'll touch on that later, I guess, with the guest here. But um, I, I, I'm shocked. I'm looking at these pictures now, and there's some memes floating around. It's pretty funny. It's it's horrendous. Okay, we'll ask. Uh, speaking of our guest today, it is Carlo Koliakovo. Uh, he's our guest. He's from TSN Radio. Of course, he's the co-host of the First Up, the morning show, former Leaf, Red Wing, Blue, Sabre Flyer, and one of your one-time teammates at the World Championships. Uh, 470 yeah. games. Um He's been doing a couple of Sens broadcasts this year as well. Always opinionated. I look forward to talking to him. And coming up mm -hmm. later in the show, we have a new gong show contest coming your way. Great prize uh, that we're going to ask you to talk, do on social media, on Twitter. We're going to look forward to some of your pictures. All right. Um, all that, of course, as always, uh, plenty ahead. And our, our guest, as we like to say, brought to you by Whitewater. Because I always like to get to this part where we get to chat about beer. 
Um, mm. The cool, refreshing taste of whitewater beer. Pour a Legion Lager, Farmer's Daughter, Blood Moon, uh, any of their great flavors, and enjoy the show today. Remember, we take care of our viewers, listeners. Go to shopwhitewater.ca and use the Wally Mathot coupon code 15% off. Whitewater, brewed by friends, for friends. And now, one of our good friends. Welcome to the show, Carlo Koliakovo. What's up, gentlemen? I'm glad to be on the Methernet. Wow. What, a, what an airway to be on, man. Right? Love I know. It, it throws Enjoy people the ride. off. It's, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love it. Yeah. It might be the best thing that we've done. Um, how are things with you today? There's so much going on in the world of football, first of all. I know you're a big Bills fan. Yeah. Uh, you're pretty excited about how Week 18 finished? I mean, how can't you be, especially with the way the last yeah. game of the schedule finished? I mean, thank God the Indianapolis Colts ended up losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars because it provided us with some scenarios that were crazy. And you know, to think that going into a game, uh, people were cheering for a tie <laughs> in an NFL football <laughs> game that we almost watched. That look, I Mondays are always great, especially when you're in the sports talk radio industry because you got three yeah. days to cover a sports. And when you live in a city like Toronto, you got the Raptors, you got the Leafs, and you got the full slate of the NFL football. So I'm always riding on Monday on maybe three, four hours sleep. But uh, you know, when it when it gives me when it gives me you know, the amount of content that we can indulge in on a Monday morning, uh, you know, when four hours really seems like an hour because it just flies by with how much we're talking about. Never complain, boys. I'll never complain. Coco, I wanted to ask One you quickly because wanted... I'm not a big, I'm not a big football. I don't follow a ton of football. I know you're just a nut when it man, comes you're to missing bills. Out, man. Like <laughs> I know I, 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 I'm a fair weather guy. I'll watch Brady a little bit, but I saw that Miami, they, they gassed their head coach, right? What's going on? What's going on with the Dolphins? I don't understand. Everyone's like outraged about it, but I don't understand what's yeah. happening. It's the, the news that shocked the football world this morning when Brian Flores was fired as the Miami Dolphins head coach. I mean, here's a guy who's come in in his third season, has created stability and, you know, something to look forward to in the Miami, Miami Dolphins organization that has just been dreadful since their existence, yeah. or at least since Marino left. Um, maybe they should go hire Snowflake to come in and play. You know, <laughs> I was waiting for an Ace Ventura <laughs> plug there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, very surprised move considering they were eight and one in their last nine games. But I, I know behind the scenes, Brian Flores was big on drafting Justin Herbert, and instead the the owner and the GM pushed to draft Tua, and you can imagine. The, yeah, the bumping of heads that, uh, you know, went on behind the scenes and, you know, and, and all the rumors that, you know, transpired this year of maybe bringing in Deshaun Watson to replace Tua, there was a disconnect there between the, the coach and the GM and all these rumors about Harbaugh going in there. Who knows if it's actually true, but, you know, especially yeah. as a Bills fan in the AFC East, now that we're the king of the division for the last two years, I mean, you want to see all these other teams fail because you want the Bills to sit on top, but definitely a surprising move on my behalf. Fair enough. Uh, Car Carlos, I told off the top, you played uh, Leafs, Red Wings, Blues, Sabres, and Flyers. But I want to point mm. out that you are a Senator fan, and you now is your chance to finally admit it because we have <laughs> evidence. Let me just show you. Here we go. Oh, there no. it is. Yes. There it <laughs> is. Look, Look at that quaff. Carlo Coliak. It's a Mississauga <laughs> Senator. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, those, those were the glory days. Uh, uh, Wally, uh, you know, back in my Mississauga Senator days, that's where it all started for me. 
uh, big, big sense fan. I was actually, it's a, it's a great story how I ended up there. Uh, me, I grew up with a twin brother and uh, he was a goalie. I was a defenseman and throughout our whole careers, we were always one of the best players on our teams when we played and in our minor Adam year, Adam year, two days before training camp, the coach called my dad and cut me instead of my brother. And we were like the package. And my dad was like, what do you mean you cut him? Like, these guys play together. We're not bringing one and the other. But they, the, the team on the Red Wings, uh, the coach on the Red Wings wanted my brother and not me back. And I almost quit hockey because I was so devastated wow. by that decision. And luckily through some you know good support from friends and family, they convinced me to keep playing. And Mississauga Senators called and ironically had two positions open, both at goaltender defense. And me and my brother checked over there and um, turned our careers around. My brother was the best goalie in the league and I was one of the best defensemen in the league. And ironically, the story, you know, keeping it short is that that summer, the coach from the Red Wings called us back and said, hey, I made a mistake. I should have never cut you guys. Would you guys want to come back? And because we had so many close friends and family on that team, my parents and especially my brother wanted to do it but i was so happy with my situation and so happy with my playing time and where my career is going that i wasn't really convinced but i wanted to do what was best for my family so we agreed to go back verbally but i still wasn't set on it in my mind and right before you know a week before camp i had to sit down with my parents my brother and i had to tell them i'm like I don't want to do this. I'm not ready to do this. I think this is the wrong move. You know, they cut us for a reason and, you know, we found a happy place. Let's stay here. So we talked it out. And my dad said, fine, you guys are big enough. You make your own decisions, but if you're going to make it, you're going to call the coach. So I did the same thing. Wow. I called the coach two days before camp and I said, Hey, we're not coming back. <laughs> and, <laughs> what was his reaction? Uh, out, uh, well, he was kind of shocked, but afterwards he kind of, you know, he understood the troll job, I guess, that was created by yeah. me, or at least by my parents, <laughs> yeah. uh, but accepted it. And, you know, there's no hard feelings. Uh, it is what it is. And yeah. ironically, you know, I, I stuck with the Senators where I played with guys like Matt Stajan, Matt Foy, uh, my brother, Brian Hayes, uh, who all had extended playing careers. And not one guy on that Detroit, on that uh, Toronto Red Wings team ended up making it to, to play pro at any level. So... A, a great decision for me. Um, you know, I still have, you know, one of my closest coaches, one of the best coaches I've ever had at a minor hockey level, Kevin Rutledge, stay in touch with me, who is still a big part of that organization. So I always find time in the offseason. And here in Ontario, it's been tough with COVID the last couple of, uh, you know, offseasons to reconnect with some of the kids. But the Mississauga Senators, buddy. They hold a real, real true place in my heart. <laughs> I, uh, I heard you. I heard you mention Matt Foy. I play because I remember playing against him in the OHL, especially my first, yeah. my first year. Because he's he's a year or two older than I was. But remember, him and Corey Locke were yeah. sick. Lit and up I think the league Matt in Foy had, had, yeah, like Matt Foy. I'm looking at his numbers here because you brought him up right away. He had a 60 goal season with the Ottawa 67s, but played yeah. 56 NHL games. That's wild. Like what 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 happened there? Yeah. And he played for the Wild, ironically. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> um, you know what, Matthew? You would you would probably know this as well as I do that in the NHL, it's it's an easy place to get to because teams will are willing to give you a chance, but it's yeah. the hardest thing to stay there. And some guys get yeah. it, and some guys don't. And for Matt Foy, mm -hmm. 
he got the opportunity to be there because he was a great skater, great skater. He was you know, very skilled, put up a lot of points yeah. in junior, but I think his just head wasn't on straight, you know, to do the things that he had to do to keep him there. And that's, that's a problem that a lot of, you know, hockey players run into. And, and, you know, what I also factor to is that there's a lot of guys that come up through the junior ranks, they get put in a position to succeed in the, in the junior levels. But when they come up in the NHL, they play a fourth line role, third line role. And they're not yeah. really yeah, in their comfort zone. They don't the know, and, and then they don't know how to adjust. And that is the biggest yeah. factor of, you know, getting there and staying there is you got to learn to adjust and adapt to the, you know, to the situations or at least the, the, the opportunities that you're given. And mm. for Matt, he just wasn't able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. It's funny you bring that up. It's because one of the topics that I want to talk about is great expectations. We look at in Ottawa, Jake Sanderson and Tyler Clevin, who turned 20 today, is another one. Mm. And of course, uh, Jacob Bernard Docker, and specifically defenseman. Carlo, you were drafted 17th overall. You were uh, one of the all stars at the World Juniors in 2003. And Matthew had a complete different path. But the expectations for you, I remember when I was going into Toronto, is I think they had a picture in the media room and everybody was like, oh my God, they've already built statues to Carlo Coliacobo. <laughs> like the expectation and pressure on you must have been ridiculous being a Toronto native first round pick. Like what was it yeah. like for you to try and make your way in the NHL? Yeah, they were extremely uh, high. Um, not really warranted on my part, but just the expectation of uh, being a, a young local kid and playing for the Maple Leafs. And the tough part for me was I was a young kid growing up in an old man's room in Toronto yeah. because the mm. next the next oldest player in that locker room in my rookie year was 29 years old and I was I was a 19 year old and you know with Pat Quinn being the coach he he surrounded himself and built this team around older veteran players and that's just the way the game was back then and yeah. You know, I think I think because I had such a girl, good World Juniors and such a good junior career and drafted so high, the expectation was there, but the expectation didn't meet the 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 sort of chance that I was given. I mean, I had a great training camp my first year. I actually led the team in scoring and forced them to sign me out of training camp. But oh, wow. you know, they they didn't allow me to build on that momentum. They sat me for nine games in a row as a healthy scratch and then put me in and um, you know, I got a, an assist in my first game. I played the next game. And then they, you know, after the second game, they sat me for nine more games and then released me to the World Juniors. So it was a hard sort of um, situation for me to build off of right off the bat because I built so much great momentum. And then it was all taken away from me right off the bat. So, um, you know, and then, you know, you, 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 you sort of, you, you complement that with the injuries that I suffered earlier in my career. And, um, I, you know, I wish the information or at least the attention to nutrition and to training was the same as it was now back in, you know, my early part of my careers where, you know, you were given the education on how to treat things and how to, you know, sort of uh, maintain your body. And I think that's where I sort of struggled with that was that, I, I was so I was such a prideful guy and want and always knew to play through anything because I just wanted to play hockey and be on the ice and I played with a little bit of a reckless abandon but that's just who I was I I just love competing and because I was doing that in Toronto the spotlight was on me and it would happen it would just create you know a, a snowball effect of negativity being mm. injury prone and can never be trusted and stuff like that so that was just a hard thing for me to overcome in Toronto 
not just with the expectation of, of being the next up and coming, but it was everything that came with it too, that I just had a hard time sort of just, I didn't have a hard time accepting it. I had a hard time eliminating it because I wouldn't be where I am today if I wasn't mentally strong. And I think that's what I, I sort of give myself a lot of credit for throughout my career is that I, I, I dealt with a lot, but I always knew when I was at the rink what I needed to focus on. It was just Toronto's a tough market to, to, to have that happen to you. Yeah, and I think and I that's think the just point. to quickly touch on that, I know I know I'm sorry, Wally. Yeah. I was just going to say because I don't want to lose this thought. He mentioned th stuff that we wish we had known when we were younger, right? And right. same applies. To, I'm I'm a little yeah. younger than Coco, but sure. not by much. But I remember like playing in the American League. Like we would all run to the Olive Garden, and I'm making lighter of the situation, so I apologize. But <laughs> we would run to the Garden. Olive Garden, <laughs> and I would smash like like for pregame meal, right? And you'd smash yeah. this huge bowl, and I I went there because all the veterans were going there, and You'd have this huge yeah. bowl of creamy pasta with like bre free breadsticks, which were unlimited, oh, with like an best. Alfredo sauce side. Oh, yeah. And I'd be hammering that with like an either a raspberry iced tea or Coke or something. And it's like, all right, I guess I'm going to go home and nap. So you go into a coma But for two two hours, right? And then you're right. you're on the ice. And you're like, wow, I feel like shit. <laughs> oh, I, I remember my junior career. I was like, I couldn't function unless I had a three hour nap. And now it's like three yeah. hour nap. I'm ruined. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I went from starting yeah. my career with a three hour nap to like barely napping at the end of my career. But yeah, the other thing too, the other thing too, man, it's not just the meals and the nutrition. It was the, yeah. it was the game day prep. Like yeah. how often would you warm up before a game? back in your minor hockey league days. Like we get to the rink 10 minutes for the game. I strap my equipment on and go play. Right. Mm -hmm. So like now it's different. The kids are brought up differently. They get to the rink, they do their pregame, uh, you know, exercises and warmups and routines, stuff like that. And, you know, like same thing that happens in the NHL. It's almost like what you do before the game is what gets you through the game. And then what gets you through the yeah. game is what you have to take care of after the game. Right. It's, Absolutely. It, it's, it's a, it's a cycle that you build that really, You know, because the game has changed so much, back in the day, yep. there wasn't really much attention to it. And because I played with – like, Meth, did you grow up playing with those Douglas shoulder pads? I did. When I was when I was so, uh, in Peewee, I had them. <laughs> yeah, they were huge. So <laughs> that's – like, when I, when I played hockey and I put those Douglas shoulder pads on, I felt like yeah. I was untouchable. Like, I, you know, I put those <laughs> things on and you're like, nobody can hurt me because I'm wearing these pads that would just bounce people off of me. And yeah, so well, they were like linebacker so pads. Right. That's why I played with yeah. so much reckless abandon because nothing hurt. Then they start yeah. eliminating all those pads <laughs> and those plats. It's like everything, like anytime you throw a body check, you feel everything. And it's like, no thanks. I'll just <laughs> practice. I'll just practice moving the puck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, well said. Um. So what advice do you have? So. Sens fans are pretty wound and excited, obviously, for Jake Sanderson to come up, and they think he's going to step mm -hmm. right in the lineup and be really, really good right away. Same maybe for Tyler, not so much Tyler Clevin, but he's got a chance. And then JBD, who's already in the lineup. Like, can, Having gone through what you've gone through, are you able to try and get people to, I don't know, pump the brakes, for lack of a better term, on expectations? Well, the expectations always have to be tempered a little bit because you don't really have any – solid veteran presence on that uh, Ottawa Senators blue line that can help much, mm. help these kids feel a little bit more comfortable. Yes, you've got Shabbat. Yes, you've got Zaitsev. But these guys haven't been part of a winning team to actually, you know, help these kids develop in the right way. And, and the way I look yeah. at it, too, is, 
you know, and, and Methwood could count for this too. When, when I grew up in the NHL, I never came in and was started or given top pairing minutes. It was always like you come in and you buy your time and you wait while you're watching veteran guys play the game. The game has changed so much that there's so much of an expectation around these younger players to come in and be the player that you expect them to be right away, which is the wrong yeah. assessment to have with these young players. But there's also has to be um, a grace period too, where you're going to accept the, the 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 growth and development and the mistakes that come with it, but also you know preach the right messaging through practicing through video. Like later on in my career, that's where I learned a lot about playing the the, the, the defense position is the access to video. And as much as I hated watching video, like I hated watching hockey because we watched so much video um, time after time. But now, you know, I have no choice because it's the job that I chose. But going yeah. and watching my shifts after every game now gave me a different perspective of what I saw when I played firsthand and what, you know, people who are judging me or grading me are seeing. So that can be a huge tool to some of these young kids. But the, 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 the best thing for development, I think, right now is your practice habits, you know, because yeah. you're, you're not going to you're not always going to get the yeah. situations that you envision in the game. But where you're going to fine tune your game are in practices. And it's not necessarily the, the you know, the A's and B's that you do during a drill. It's the it's the compete level that you show in practice because you've got to be able Absolutely. to translate that to a game. Yeah. 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 No, no, I was uh, going to say to that. To that point, and this is something that Wally and I always talk about when we're talking to guys like Drake Batherson who train out east with guys like McKinnon and Crosby. And mm. the, the one takeaway that we always get from hearing these stories is that they're so incredibly competitive out there. Like yeah. I'm talking like guys like Sid and 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 they're out and these there. These guys are all like veterans asking, of the league. That's what I'm saying. And right? they're still working yeah. their asses off. Like, like they're not taking any shifts off. And this is in the summertime when no one's watching. So Imagine having a presence like that, and this go this gets back to my point that you were just talking about. Having good veterans on your team is huge because everybody just absorbs all that information. If you're a young player and you're watching a ten-year veteran work his tail off in practice, what do you think you're going to yeah. do? You're going to copy yeah. off of that guy, right? You're going to learn right. from him. You're going to learn all his good habits that he's doing, and you're going to you're and subconsciously you apply it to your game when you're starting, you know, starting out. So um, I think with the current decor. Aside from maybe Shabbat, who's sort of an anomaly because he plays 30 minutes a night, so you're not going to expect him to be driving the ship and practice every day. He's probably going to be taking a lot of days off, but they're missing veterans back there. And I know mm -hmm. you pay a lot more attention hey, to wait. Toronto, of course, Coco. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, Wally. What about Michael Delzato then? Should Michael yeah. Delzato, who's now scoring at will <clears throat> in, in Belleville, should he be in the lineup? Right. Uh, yeah, but Mel Michael Delzato, Michael Delzato was sort of a fringe player the last couple seasons, right? I mean, he was mm. playing in Columbus a little bit where that brought him back to life, but that was a very poor defensive team that he was playing on. So it's not sure. really a good benchmark to use, right? So I don't know that that's I don't know that that's the right player. He, that's all I'm saying. Nothing he gives against you him. that veteran presence. Yeah. Well, yeah, well look, I, I can't to me. Yeah. Go ahead. Like I, I, I play with Del Zotto. He's he's a close friend of mine, uh, and I'm not just saying this because he's a close friend. But I was really happy that the Ottawa Senators signed him because I thought he was the, the the perfect fit for what that team was trying to build on with their defense. I just don't understand the situation. They brought him in to be that veteran presence guy, and they never gave him a chance right off the bat. They they sort of made up their mind on him and. 
I know just in speaking with him, the frustration with him was that he was never really given a chance to get going. It was like they get him a game yeah. and they sit back. They get him a game. And you know yeah. what that's like, Matt. It's like it's it's a mental grind now, right? It's not just going out and, and knowing well, how to play the game and, and you're just focusing on playing that. And and it just it 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 a lot it, it surprises me that that the Ottawa Senators have have made that choice with a veteran guy like that because to help accelerate your rebuild, you're going to need more guys like that around to help make these younger guys feel more comfortable. Because, and, yes. and this is the, and th- this is the trend that sort of bothers me about hockey. It's no secret. I, I think I, I don't think anybody will deny that the game is getting younger. But I think what teams fail to understand is the importance of having you know veteran guys around. To help these younger players, because you can't just have a whole mix of younger guys. Who's going to teach these guys? Who's going to show these guys how to handle themselves playing the game? Right? Yeah, sometimes, and I think initially, because, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, because sometimes you can't always rely on the coach. Sometimes yeah. these veteran players are, are, are sort of guys that help the coach relay those same messages with younger players. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think initially that's where the coaching staff, and I hate being critical of coaches because I know how hard it is, but I think initially in Ottawa, the issue was just that they created this revolving door right from the get-go. Like, so to your point, they never let him establish himself, right? Like right away, he was in he was in and out of the lineup almost immediately yeah. when the season started and it never really gave him a chance to kind of get to know or create any kind of chemistry with any defenseman, right? right. So they just kept switching things up and it was constant. And then all of a sudden, they're, everyone's asking, well, why are the D playing so poorly? It's because there's zero chemistry between any of the pairs. Right. So right. that's been an issue here for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Good point, Matt. Michael Delzato, two goals, six points in 10 games for the Ottawa Senators. He's Pretty lighting good numbers, it up. But again, if, if yeah, and, and especially now in, down in Belleville, he's been putting up great points. Um, that leads me to another point. You bring up coaches all the time here. We've seen a uh, coaching change in Vancouver work out very well with Bruce Boudreaux, who's now 8 0 1. Uh, there was talk, had there been an Ottawa Senator game tonight against the Edmonton Oilers, which has been postponed and they'll never What's it been like a game month game. since the it's, Sens have played? It's, <laughs> yeah. January 1st when they got pumped by by Toronto, right? And they, Six they, 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 played one, they played one game since December the 18th. It's crazy. Unbelievable. Um, so there was a report from ESPN, I think Emily Kaplan said, if Ottawa were to beat Edmonton, that Dave Tippett would have gotten fired tonight. So... Mm. So both of you have played with significant midseason coaching changes. In fact, Matthew had one year where there were three head coaches. You went Gallant to Jerry Agnew uh, to Ken Hitchcock in Columbus. Um, do midseason coaching changes really work? I know for for you, uh, I looked it up, Carlo. You had two: Andy Murray to Davis Payne, and then Davis Payne to Ken Hitchcock. Uh, Hitch yeah. put up some pretty good numbers when you came in, but do they work? Uh, it depends on the situation, right? Uh, I, I think early season coaching moves have a chance to work out because there's an expectation that is uh, given to the group that it's not meeting. And the guy brought in, I know I know with Ken Hitchcock, it was absolutely the right move that we needed because we entered that season with incredible expectations. And under Davis Payne, we weren't meeting them. And Ken Hitchcock, it's ironic that me and Meth played for him at the World Championships that same summer. So I got to learn a little bit about Ken Hitchcock and who he was and the way he coached. And I was actually excited about the move because you knew what type of resume that he had. Um, You saw the way he coached the game. And I was happy for that move. 
to me, the, the one thing that bothers me the most about coaching changes nowadays is I think a lot of them are made because the GMs can't make any trades. Exactly. Um, and the salary and the salary cap has played a huge factor in that. And, you know, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because, you know, I, like what I heard in Philly, I heard in Philly, the coaching wasn't the problem. It was the, it was the personnel that was the problem there and they couldn't change the personnel. So what do you resort to? You resort to fire your coaches to see if that could create a spark with a group. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. We're seeing the magic that it's creating in Vancouver great i mean you know you love you love to see that because maybe that was you know just travis green being able to take this team as far as as they as he potentially could and just you know every coach has a shelf life and maybe his shelf life just ran out with that team but i, I mean uh, unless they're for the right reasons i'm not a big fan of coaching changes in the middle of the season just to spark the team um you know, I, I wish the NHL would find a way to be more flexible with its cap to sort of allow teams to make trades when they necessarily need to so that you're not resorting to firing coaches all the time. Because it seems like we're firing more coaches than we're trading players in the beginning of the year. And how fun is that? Like, what 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 type of fans are you really generating when that's the message that you're creating? So, um, you know, I don't I don't that that's just that's just where I stand on it. Um, and unless it's a coach that's coming in and completely changing the culture or completely changing the messaging, then yeah, there's a reason for it. But again, I think each situation represents its own reason for you know whether or not you want to have a change or not. Yeah, and and you know, like when you're on a team that's struggling big time. Um, you know, you've got a leadership group and typically right. you know, the GM, the GM has aligned to some of those players, particularly guys like the captain, and they can always pick their brains too. But I agree with, with Coco there. It's like, you see it too, you see it all too much nowadays where it's a knee jerk yeah. reaction to appease the fan base team struggling. Oh, I got to make a move now. Let's, uh, yeah. well, I can't get rid of all these players. Uh, I'm going to fire the coach. Let's make a splash. And then we're going to hire somebody yeah. else. It's like, like oftentimes to be honest really with do you. anything. Right. Like, to be honest with you, you want to you want to make the Edmonton comparison. I don't think Tippett's the problem in Edmonton. No. Anybody who watches Edmonton knows what the problem is. And it's been the same problem for the last three years. It's their goaltending. But yeah, yeah. Who, who are they going to go out and get? You can't go. They're up, exactly. right up against the cap. Right. So <laughs> that's why people want Tippett gone. It's because, you know, they're, they're not they're, they're in the middle of a slump. And thank God they got off to the start that they did because they're they're able yeah. to tread water right now going through COVID and, and the streak that they're on. But I mean, Kenny Holland has his hands full because he has good players in front of him, but they can't keep the puck out of the net. Well, their best, their best, their best, sorry, their, their best goaltender is a 39 year old that isn't healthy all the time. So <laughs> right? it's like, obviously and they, and they have two. another year of him. They have another year yeah, of him. Yeah. And, and, no, a and two year deal. I agree. And and that's no disrespect to Mike Smith because he's when no. he is healthy, he's been really good for them. But Absolutely. the problem is, you know what it's like. You get into your later 30s, especially if you're a goalie, like you're not going to be a starter anymore, or typically not not necessarily a starter because it's hard to stay healthy yeah. in this league. It's a young man's game you know now. And um, yeah, it's so easy to fire the coach. So I think we both agree that all Absolutely. too often we see it. It's just not the right play. Matt, I'm 38 years old, about to be 39 at the end of the month. And I can't even imagine if I was still playing right I, now based on how hey. bad my body feels. <laughs> Wait. So I still don't I ruin still my Olympic like, announcement. Yeah, no, no. I was going to say, I, I still work out like crazy because I'm obsessed. Lucky obviously. you, man. Uh, um, Lucky yeah, you. But, but, but I sublexed my shoulder. Like I, 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 uh, I sprained it like last week from doing too much chest. 
So now yeah. my shoulder's effed. I can't do anything. I can barely <laughs> shovel snow. I can't even play with my kids. And I'm like, what has happened to me? So yeah, I mean, anyway, and see, but sorry, the thing I'm is, kinda... is that you 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 work out with uh, at your own pleasure, at your own pace. Yes. You're not doing it correct to sort of to to get yourself ready for something. And that's well, something that there's a huge I want difference. to get to one day. Absolutely, there is. Yeah, <laughs> there's a huge difference between playing and working out. What you know, play hockey, like where you're doing all that yeah. dynamic stuff, the box jumping and the sprinting. Oh, like, screw I'm that. in there just doing Squats? slow. Get movements. out of here, man. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> deadlifts you'll never see me attached to another deadlift ever no. again <laughs> no chance yeah i like well, i like my back where it is <laughs> exactly exactly this is this is leading me right down the road to the the big olympic announcement today that we have and that's uh oh, last week there was a uh, our friend sean simpson tweeted out about putting meth on the olympic team because uh, we need some replacements clearly and uh, along with chris phillips and you replied, uh, Meth, if Philly can't go, I would gla gladly pair up with Carlo Koliakovo. <laughs> so, which you said would be an honor. So, I'm right now, can we get, although it seems like you guys may be on the fence about this, can we get some commitment that you two are in for the Olympics if need be? If your country if called I, on you, would you be ready? If I got a call from Jane, Shane Doan and he was actually serious about me, you know, giving me a spot in the Olympic, I would need three months to get myself back into shape because <laughs> I haven't, I haven't put a pair of skates on in almost two years. And mostly because of the pandemic, I mean, I was doing on ice training, yeah. uh, skill training with power edge pro, you know, in my retirement, but not only that, I'm probably about 30 pounds overweight that I need to lose. <laughs> And so as much as an, like, that would be an unbelievable honor, and believe me, if I put my mind to it and dedicated myself to it, I could get there and actually put myself in a position to perform. But I'm just not mentally there. Like, I have no <laughs> desire. Like, I, 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 I did some rentals to my basement, and I was helping my contractor the other day tape my baseboards. And walking around on my knees, I actually taped my hockey shin pads to my legs <laughs> so I could crawl around on the floor on my knees yeah. and just the smell of my hockey bag. I'm like, no, I have no <laughs> desire to put any of you back on. But if I was to do it with meth, I would 100% try to make it happen. Yeah. Do it with or on meth would be a good idea. I think <laughs> for me, for, for me, it just comes to Wally's already cringing. I, I just, yeah. you know what? I'm with Coco. Like I, if, I think if my knee, like I, I, I've been skating a little bit. I've been going to the outdoor rink with my son. He's four. I'm trying to get him to learn how to skate. Yeah. Unfortunately, you got to earn, you got to register online to reserve time oh. slots, which I think is, I'm not going to get into that. Um, my yeah. opinions are probably very unpopular, but I've been taking him on the ice outdoor rinks practicing and my knee felt pretty good. So there's, there is yeah. a little bit of light here, I think. Yeah, so you Shane Dome does call your, with your knees too. Right? Oh, dude, it won't go away. Like that? it's. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I will see. But yeah, yeah. I, I, it's the one the one thing in modern sports medicine that they haven't fixed yet, and it's cartilage. And that's my issue. And I think a lot of players <laughs> understand where I'm coming from. So, yes. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. We'll I've got on. the same. I, I actually had to retire from Germany because like, I played two years in Europe. And I went like eight years in a row with like no significant injury. And then my last year, it was actually the last Olympic yeah. year where I was actually excited about playing in Europe knowing that I had a chance to be on that Olympic team, I was, I was on the, the short list of, you know, one of the names potentially to go. 
But right before they named the team, I, I tore my MCL and I missed 10 weeks. So, you know, I caught a bad break and I haven't been able to recover from it because, you know, I tried to come back that same season and then I popped my shoulder out twice. And when you know, you know, buddy. I always said I'd play as long <laughs> as my body allowed me to play. And clearly my body was yeah. telling me to, to call it quits. So. Yeah, we sound like a bunch of old war horses at the bar, like talking about how we could potentially play if we wanted to. Right. <laughs> As we're pile driving chicken wings and beers, you know. So I, I, I enjoy I enjoy the Sundays on my couch now watching football rather than Sundays trying to Fair prepare enough. for hockey. So the Olympic announcement is on hold for now. I'll write it down that you guys are undecided about coming back. Yeah. Okay. If they if they delay it, if they actually delay it to like the following year, like the Summer Olympics did, maybe I'll put more of an effort towards getting myself into shape. Okay. Uh, we're gonna switch gears, uh, and uh, we got some other things to talk about. One of them is your uh, teammate that you guys both played with in 2011. Um, this is brought to you by SportsInteraction.com. Oh Go to sportsinteraction.com, Canada's online casino and sportsbook. Uh, sportsinteraction.com slash Wally Mathot. The most competitive odds, um, as once we said, they are daily sports betting all across the globe. They are Canada's online casino and sportsbook. Okay, so let me just go to 2011 for a sec. You guys both played at the World Championships. You played under Ken Hitchcock. You lost in the gold medal game. But that roster on the, Olymp on the uh, Russian side was um, – like they had Ovechkin and Adulov and um, – Maxima Finneganov, Dmitry Kalinin, Vladimir Tarasenko. There's yeah, all the kinds quarters. of guys on that roster. Like, right? That was a quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. 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 Because, because Russia seven? was playing because Russia was yeah. so, playing so poorly throughout the tournament that they seeded lower. And then all of a sudden, all these Russian superstars the came guys. over for that quarterfinal. <laughs> oh, Vashkin, yeah. yeah. They got Tarasenko the and guys. a couple other guys. They got, yeah, yeah, they got all the NHL guys from yeah. Washington. To come play yeah. for them. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are God, that still leaves a bitter um, taste in my mouth. You had such you guys had such a good roster. I mean, I mean yeah. I Dion I blame I still I, team. I still blame Dion for enough. No, well and we were playing so so for that for that game though, um I believe that game was that game not in Belarus or where was it? Like that game we, was that, in... that game in Bratislava. No, no. Yeah. Oh, Bratislava. I'm sorry. Bratislava. Yeah. Yes. And and like the crowd. Do you remember that, Coco? Like we walked in there. It was insane. Yeah. It was like the Red Army was watching us play. And, it was and, incredible. <laughs> I mean, and the vibe honestly, was unbelievable. Matt, we just huh? So that honestly, that world championship experience, and I got a chance to go play in the Spengler Cup a couple of years later during the lockout shortened season. And those yeah. two European experiences are actually what sold me to go finish my career in Europe. Oh, because yeah. Because it's, it's, it's unbelievable, the game over there. Like, I don't think there's a great a, a great enough appreciation for, like, people talk about how the game is different. Yeah, it's different. But there's also a good difference of why it's different. It, because the fans, the experience that the fans give you when you play in front of them, it's, it's oh, soccer-style atmospheres. It's awesome. Yes. Absolutely awesome. I wish there would be a way the NHL and their fans – can adapt that sort of viewing experience for this type of hockey. Well, so could you could you imagine all the corporate seats in Toronto getting up and chanting and wearing war paint? I mean, I don't think so. <laughs> Beating a drum, 
Boom. You're right. Yes. You're right. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah. but but I agree with joking aside, I agree with Coco. Like when you go there and you have no idea what to expect, which was my position. I never played in the world yeah, juniors or anything like that. So that was my first time. Yeah. And I get over there and I'm like, oh my God, like this is crazy. Everyone was so yeah. loud and into the game and they're all on their feet. Like half the building, I believe it was on the end zones, right? Like behind the nets. Yeah. They're all standing Fan up clubs. and chanting and stuff. Yeah. It is yeah. there's no awesome. seats. And so I yeah, there's exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So a lot of fun. It's it was the only event I asked every year to go cover, no matter where it was, because I the atmosphere around it, regardless of the city, is phenomenal. Whenever you let the Latvian or the Belarusian fans in, they are drunk for an entire week and it's <laughs> outstanding to watch. And it's funny you say that, Wally. You said it was the event you, you wanted to go cover. It was the event, it was the event every year I asked to go play in. <laughs> I was asking every time. Every time we were out of the playoffs, I was like, can I go play at the Worlds? Can I go play at the Worlds? And it's like, I remember that year that I came, I would, because it was in Kosice, there was a lot of guys that backed out. Nobody was excited about, yeah, yeah. you know, the destination for it. And yeah. so I went, I went on a, a bachelor party to Vegas uh, during like the, my, my time wait. And then as I got back, I got a call from Dave Nolanis and says, Hey, uh, so do you still want to come play for us? I was like, hell yeah. But I hadn't skated in like 10 days. So I needed <laughs> a little bit of time to get myself back up to back up the par there, but it was well worth it, man. Well worth it. I, 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 yeah, just, I would really do anything good. to get another opportunity to do it again. Amen. That was one of my scariest interviews. I was interviewing Dion Phaneuf, and it was Luke Shen's first year. He's a rookie in Toronto, and I had asked uh, Dion about Luke, and I was like, whatever it was. And at the very end of the interview, I went, thanks very much, Luke, to Dion, and I thought he might tear my head off. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, my uh, God, just I'm just going to walk away right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good tournament. Um. But one player on that team that you're both familiar with, uh, Evander Kane, who's come under a little bit of an issue of late. Um, my, I don't want to get into all of it because neither one of you know exactly what's going on. Well, if you do, please feel free to tell me. Is uh, as a teammate, do you like? Can you do you want that distraction anywhere near your locker room? Which, and I don't know what's going on. It just seems like, regardless, it's still a distraction. Well, I'll be honest with you because I, I just played with him recently in 2015, 15 or 16 in Buffalo. And yeah. he was an awesome teammate. I'm not going to lie. I, I hung out with him a lot. He was a great guy. Guys loved him around the room. I just think his reputation has taken so much of a beating over the last couple of years that the, the interest of having him a teammate anymore has sort of disintegrated. Because I, I just think he he's a guy that obviously doesn't prioritize certain relationships and certain opportunities or advantages that he has over other people. And it just seems like we can't go a month without his name popping up in the news mm. that is something controversial. So, you know, when, when a team like San Jose and all, all I ever knew, you know, playing in the NHL and playing against San Jose is that that was one of the, the, the closest knit locker rooms that ever existed in the NHL. Like the culture there was just amazing. He went into that locker room with guys like Marlowe, Pavelski and Thornton and, and other veteran guys like Brent Burns and, and Vlasic. 
And now he's a guy that nobody there wants anymore. So what does that tell you about the person and what he's become? He has gotten himself caught up to so many other bad things that don't involve hockey away from the game that I think it's affected his relationships with everybody within the game, including his teammates. And to be honest with you, he has nobody to blame but himself. Yeah, and that I, same I, issue happened in Winnipeg, which mean, which met him or allowed him, I guess, got to Buffalo and then on to San Jose, is that something has always followed him. So why is it that teams continue to give him another shot? Well, I know he led San Jose in scoring last year. I know he can play the game. Is that the only reason? Is it worth your room to bring in a player that was going to perhaps cause so many issues? I, I don't – Well, at some point, does there have well, to be he, no – yeah. In that case, it's like anything, right? In any line of work, always make sure your talent outweighs your baggage. And I think with him, mm. he's always put up pretty good numbers. You know, we, we look at his numbers. I think he, he was just playing in the American League just now, recently, right? Yeah, Where was he playing? Because I heard he's too. been putting yes. up yeah, good numbers. So, yeah, so like, he's, he's a good player. Um, and and to add to Coco's uh, point there, when I played with him at the Worlds, that's when I got to know him a little bit. I was doing workouts with him. You know, he's coming into yeah, the gym with me. We were training to together. Around, man. Yeah, like really nice guy, like outgoing, super friendly, no problems there. But then all of a sudden, you know, like you said, you start surrounding yourself perhaps with the wrong people outside of the rink or whatever it is. And those are easy distractions that can create some nasty headlines. And then, you know, I can't speak to how he's been over the last couple of seasons. And you made a really good point there, Carlo, about that San Jose locker room. And if you can't get integrated into a strong room like that, then there's something going yeah. on. So I can't yeah. I can't pretend to get into his mind and understand that. But from my personal experience playing with him, he's been nothing but good and, and, and friendly. So the whole thing is perplexing to me because what a waste of talent, right? I mean, you look at the player. Absolute waste and, of talent, and, man. Yeah, and he's and he's a he's a he's a physical specimen. He's one of those guys that doesn't even need to do a whole lot off the ice. He's ripped, he's in great shape, he's got a lot of natural athletic ability. And he's able to apply that to his on-ice performance. I, it's frustrating because here I am, like, you know, you and me, Carlo, like we're all beat up and hurt and we'd do anything to go back and play right now. Right. And, and, and I'd make the type the right of money things, he but... was making. <laughs> yeah. Seven million. Exactly. Like, could you imagine? So, you know, I, I guess my, my closing point is that from my experience, he's a really good dude. Um, you know, <laughs> Uh, he was a really excellent hockey player. He still is, as far as I'm concerned, probably a pretty good player up to today. But just, mm. again, just too much baggage at this point, and it's a huge risk for a lot of teams. Eight points in five AHL games for him. Uh, there you go. Well, look, I mean, to, to follow up at this point, I mean, here's a guy who clearly shows he can put numbers up on the ice. But he's also a guy that shows he can create problems off the ice. And yeah. yeah. I just know from speaking to some of his teammates in San Jose last year, it just got to a point where they just couldn't handle it anymore, right? Yeah. And you hoped that everything he's been through in the offseason with his own personal life, with you know the, the bankruptcy and his own relationship, that he would have found a way to at least prioritize you know, the things that are important to him, the things that he needs to change. And, you know, and next thing you know, we're talking, we're hearing about him submitting a fake vaccine and vaccine card and breaking COVID protocols. It's like he's putting himself above everything else that exists. So how how is, look, I, I don't know how this plays. I, I don't think there's a team out there that, you know, would give him a chance. I could be wrong, but I think there's enough information out there about the guy that, you know, 
will definitely raise eyebrows and, and, uh, and at least allow you to question whether or not you want to put them in. And I, like, I, I believe in second chances. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big favor of, you know, allowing people to, you know, to allow themselves to change and better themselves and stuff like that. But how many chances are you really willing to give this guy before he realizes that everything he's done up at this point has not only hurt him, but his family and the people that he surrounds himself with. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Uh, switching topics. We'll go from one end to the extreme. Other you brought up uh, Joe Thornton and J uh, Joe Pavelski the other day. There's pictures of them meeting at center ice to have a photo taken together. I love it. Everybody's all happy. <laughs> Somehow people are upset about this and how dare you what? be happy to talk to ex teammates. Have either one of <laughs> are either one what? of you ups like, yeah, no, no. People are like, how could they possibly like leave all that stuff till after when you're having beers? So my point is pregame warm-ups. Um, yeah. I know what it is. Is is there ever a time when you're like, like this is nonsense? We should be allowed to say hi to whoever. I'm just curious. Yeah. Has anybody ever said to you in the locker room, like, "Hey, put your game face on and don't be nice to that guy"? Look, look. <laughs> I'll just touch on it really quickly before Coco interjects. That's just that's just plain stupid. Those are uh, these are obviously yeah. people that don't play the game and or people that are out of touch. I'm 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 all for being serious when the puck drops and you obviously yeah. have no friends. You do your job. But in pregame warm-ups, we see brothers take pictures all the time at center ice when they're on opposing yeah. teams, and no one's criticizing them. Yeah. These guys are basically brothers. They played together forever, and um, you know, yeah. I, I just think that's just nonsense. People are just talking out of their ass. It makes no sense. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, Matt. I mean, look, warm-ups is 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 the time to have fun gimmicks and fun chirps with guys across the ice, and yeah. you have moments like this. I mean. You know, it, if you have more, like, like think, I can just picture what Florida's locker room was saying after they came in for more. I was like, oh, Jumbo, big money on the board. You and Pav, you exactly. and Pav were having a, a, you know, a big, big uh, picture on the ice. You, you two old goats and stuff like that. Like, it, it just creates good <laughs> camaraderie, especially when it's done in warm-up. It's a difference if it's done within the game, you know, and especially the, you know, what the situation is, is in the game if. If you're the guy on the receiving end of a you know a bad loss or on, on the yeah, the or is it a playoff a, game? There's a playoff, and and older guys like this know you know not to create this type of situation when the intensity is risen because it just it doesn't exactly. set a good example. But for warmups, I wouldn't be surprised if these guys were shooting pucks at each other and maybe you know <laughs> telling telling the trainers to go cut to go staple their pants together their dress pants together so when <laughs> when they go and put their pant legs on that they can't get their legs through and stuff like that so yeah i'm yeah. all for it man. we need we need more fun stuff like this that we see in the game of i hockey. agree i agree all right my well then my last point is uh actually i got two more let's you know what uh before i get to the last one Carlo, what is your favorite snack? It is a big oh, wow. part of our what show. Everybody turn? is all in. <laughs> wow. Uh, we need to snack. know before I get to the next one. Yeah. What it is. I got two favorite snacks. I love me a nice bag of potato chips. Any yes. type of flavor, <laughs> potato chips. Yes. I. Yes. I it's my pet peeve. And actually, my, my father-in-law is, is a bad example of it. I can't stand when I go into somebody's pantry and I see a bag of original potato chips. Like, who eats what are you doing original with that? potato <laughs> chips? Oh, <laughs> like, I do all the time. Are you oh, serious? Christ. You go you actually yeah. go buy original flavored potato chips? Yeah. Like, Late, can you be because more I like boring? the 
I like them with my sandwich. Yeah. What? Okay, fair. That's, but think if you, you put do a that Dorito go -go. in there, how much? Oh, yeah, buddy. But I don't do it with original chips. I do it with Doritos because it gives you the flavor and the crunch. I'm going to let uh, you guys talk you can't this eat too many. I don't do that. <laughs> Spice it up, baby. All right. And my other, my other favorite snack is, is beef jerky. You can never say no to beef. Nice. I like yeah. that. Ah. Yeah, nice yeah. little golf course. Uh, I like it well too. done, if anybody. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, Original chips. The, uh, the, wow. okay, the, <laughs> well, I'm glad we waited to chirp me till the end because I would like to know, as we put up this photo, who wore this better? I have found your two headshots, which is arguably oh, from. Shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> from wow. Maybe your first two years. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I'll say this. This Coco, is impressive. Like Coco looks yeah. like a mug. It's like it looks like a mug shot. Like it looks like he's some like retired NFL player that's been arrested for yeah. a DUI. And I, I, I don't know. I look, I look like a teenager. I've got acne all over my face. Uh, my hair is out of control. But that you was his style. Teeth. Look at Coco's hair. You have teeth. Yeah, I got teeth there. Yeah, that was before taking a couple pucks to the mouth. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually got chirped about this online the other day by Jesse Pollock from Bardell saying it was the porcupine look. I mean, the, 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 the difference between me and Matt is I actually have product in my hair. Where Matt yeah, is sort of fair. like, you just woke up and that's just the way your hair looked from the head on the pillow. But I mean, back but back in the day, I mean, that's what I did. I just grabbed the gel that was in the locker room and just did this a yeah, little bit that with was, my hair and gave it the old messy. That look. was the style, Coco. That was the style, though. Like it was that right, messy, exactly. like that depth. Messy you look. could buy like the different levels, right? Like from like one to right. eight, as far as hold Dip, control. Dippity do. <laughs> Dippity do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Is this meth? How like is is there a hair dryer uh, used in this? Um, you know what? No, that was no, probably just, bad, I was, that, yeah, that was like training camp. Right. So that means I probably had yeah. product in my hair the night before went to bed, Guaranteed. uh, put yeah. a hat on, I put a hat on and then I took it off and I just kind of like did that. And I took the picture. I don't know what I was thinking, but here we are. Looks good, so for buddy. a guy Looks that's good. pretty, you're pretty, uh, clean cut that you would go to your team photo and go. Yeah, I nailed it with this picture. Like, well, I, I'm when you're 18 go. years old, you're not thinking like an administrative <laughs> assistant, okay? You're not thinking about those things. You're thinking about well, you know, and <laughs> You know, you know, you know what stop. the worst thing is? You know what the worst thing is? Is that most of the time, you don't know it's the team photo until you show up at the rink. True. And you show up at the rink, you're wearing a toque, you're wearing a hat, you've got your gitch on, maybe you've got your lower... And guys, okay, guys, we've got team picture today. It's like, the last thing I want to do is go do my – that's why I love my job right now. I do radio. I don't have to do my hair. I just put a hat on all the time. Yeah. It is mud. Like, yeah, I hate true. doing my hair. Yeah, we don't have we don't have physicals either. We're fitness testing and then all the EKGs. My last training camp, my last training camp in Dallas, we had to drop our pants. I hadn't had to do that in a while. We had to drop our pants and the doctor the had to test? examine everything. It was very weird. It was weird. The cough test? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's anyway, a weird one for sure. I'm alive. But so it's all good. I, that's the one thing I don't miss either, a fitness test. Man, I hated that fat caliper test. Oh, man. Oh, the <laughs> fit guy. <laughs> I hope I whoever invented those things would go to hell because I, yeah. I hated those things. Those things so ruined my weekends. 
everything. Yeah, man. So when Coco and I played, especially back like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, that was a big thing. They'd have these big metal calipers. They don't really do it anymore because body types aren't necessarily indicative anymore. They've learned no. of what your on-ice performance can deliver because everyone's got a different body makeup. So they would grab. So I was always pretty lean, so I was lucky. But then you'd get a guy that might be a little heavier, and they would just pull a chunk out of your arm. And like Some of that had to be muscle, right? And they'd be like, ah, oh, it's 17% right there. And you'd be like, no, yeah. do it again. And you'd like subtly flex your arm in hopes that it would tighten up your skin. <laughs> Uh, I'll never they forget. Don't do that like, you leave, you leave the game on Saturday night, and on the board as you're walking out says body fat Monday morning, and it's like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Damn you! That stress out <laughs> Saturday night, stress out all day Sunday, and then you do the body yeah. fat test, and you're like, when you're done, and you're like. Whew, all right, where are we going for lunch, boys? Like, well, yeah, no home. one no one was drinking beers, so like they'd be drinking vodka right. waters at the bar that night. Right. <laughs> thinking, right. thinking that that's going to help. Empty calories. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, before, before we bring in Craig, my last question, Carlo, is do you wish you played for the Sens? Having grown up as a Mississauga Senator, I'm going to bring this all the way back. Were you hoping that one day you could play for the Ottawa Senators? Be honest. I'm not going to lie to you, Wally. I, I truly did wish one day I was playing for the Sens because when I grew up, the Sens were a powerhouse. Like my oh, yeah. my first my first couple years in the NHL playing with the Leafs, we were staring up at Ottawa all the time. And so not only did you want to play for, you know, maybe teams with logos that you, that you played for growing up, but you wanted to play for good teams in the NHL. And, you know, unfortunately for me, in my early part of my career, you know, when Toronto was good, I was an extra player. And then when it was my turn to step in, we went through that rebuild. And those were tough years, man, especially in this market. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, for sure. For I would have sure. loved to play well with Spezza, Havlat, Hosa, Alfredson, <laughs> Phillips. Heatley. Yeah. You name yeah. it, man. Chara. Yep. Yeah. Um, and the reason Chara. I know that you were a big Sens fan, you never scored against Ottawa at the Canadian Tire Center. In your never. So never. No. Yeah. I so I'm not gonna lie. That was one building that I absolutely hated playing in. One, because it was so dark in that building. And two, I couldn't yes. stand that damn horn. Yeah. <laughs> and I heard it so much. I heard the it via so rail much horn. when I was there. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's a, and All it's right. a tough and they had, they had a tough, sorry, last point, they had a really shitty locker room, eh, for the visitors when you walked in there. Oh, Like, it was horrible. really kind of broken up There's and two. dirty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. And it was in the That's middle the, of nowhere, yeah. too. The bus ride was, like, 30 minutes long. It was, like, worse. <laughs> uh, can't start on that again, can we? No, we're um, going to leave that alone. Yeah. We're going to build one downtown, Okay. Uh, I hope so. Anyway, Car I hope so. Carlo, thank you for stopping by. Uh, good luck to your bills uh, on the weekend. Thanks, guys. Uh, we look forward to maybe having you back on to have a little more chat about your glory days and how you love playing against Anytime, the Anytime, boys. Anytime, boys. You got it. Thanks awesome. for having Thanks, me on. Thanks, Have a great week. Good seeing you, boys. Sure. Take right, care. There goes Carlo Koliakovo, one of the co-hosts of First Up on TSN Radio, as we now get set to bring in our good friend, as always, Greg, who's been chilling in the back. Um, hey, hey, guys. What's I up? He's a really good dude. And I know you guys, Meth, um, yeah. played that one tournament together. You didn't know him really before that, though, did you? No, but but a lot like what we just saw in that interview, that's exactly how he is in real life. He loves to chat, and uh, he's very outgoing. And it's not like a 
he wasn't like an awkward guy to be around initially. You know, some guys are a little more reserved. He was right away off the bat, yeah. like chatting everybody up. So all of a sudden you feel like you've known him for 10 years. So really good guy. Yeah. He's a good dude. Craig, how are things? Good, man. That was a great show, boys. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, Carlo was having some Methanet issues to start there. It figured itself yeah, out. I, saw that. I was worried. I was yeah. like, man, am I going to have to make another? Like, now I got to make a. I was trying to think of a name, and I was like, oh, God. So, anyways, it, it cleared itself out. So, that was thankful, at least. But, I, yeah, I just well, want to gotta... I just want to get TELUS as a sponsor, just so that I don't have <laughs> okay. to complain about Bell or Rogers and just say, we're on TELUS and it's a very good network. Anyway, yeah. one of these days. Um, something came up something came up in the chat there did you want to chat about uh jake sanderson and the olympics he uh oh yeah oh yeah meth yep jake sanderson's gonna go as he's accepted the invitation he heard that you weren't going probably and he uh he firmed (laughs) up his 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 confirmation after that so i think once you guys said you were out he you got cleared the road for him uh and he was happy to i think go play for usa he doesn't have to worry about he doesn't have to worry about my hips (laughs) no kidding aside he uh He's a he's a terrific talent, and I mean, for him to go over there, I think it'll be really good for him. And you see it with a lot of guys that go play in these international tournaments against really good players. You learn a lot from it. You play against all these guys that you can learn from that you think perhaps might be a step ahead of you, and then you get in there and you realize, boy, I'm just as good as these players. I belong here. So um, it's a really good learning experience for him, and I think that uh, he'll benefit greatly from it, especially especially for that pro level switch when he when he does graduate on to the next level. Well, what do you think about Jake Sanderson's decision here? Because I mean, he will have played some college, then oh, juniors, and now Olympics, and it. then back to back to college, and then maybe NHL. Like that's a busy season for a guy. What, what do you think of his thoughts on maybe that? Well, the one thing is, you always want to play against the best competition. It's what always makes you better, right? I is the Olympics going to be the best competition? No, but you think of at the time, it's the best players they can assemble. It's on a world stage. It's everything except playing against obviously Crosby and McDavid, which I understand is a big deal, but point is is that they are on the big stage you can't get any better than that at the moment you're at the olympics like you soak that all in it can only benefit you there's nothing outside of an injury god forbid there's nothing else uh any other reason not to go to the olympics or not to do this or what a year though to do all that like yeah really sorry yeah meth no it was a bad joke that i just bit my tongue on i probably shouldn't say (laughs) let's keep going (laughs) Yeah, so anyway, I look forward to it. Just like Owen Power at the World Championships, right, and then does World Junior. When you think of Mason McTavish, I'm not sure exactly how the dates line up, but he went U18, World Junior, World Championships, like all that stuff, possibly the Olympics, all in a short time frame. Like you can't – it only helps to benefit you to play all that kind of high-level international hockey. Yeah, McTavish was traded today too, right? In in the O, he's heading to Hamilton. I think uh, I saw. Got traded tonight, yeah. Hamilton. Yeah, for two two players and yeah. six draft picks. Yeah, he's good. Crazy. I think and they're going to get him for just a couple a couple weeks here, right? Essentially, and, down the down and the Chandler Romeo uh, was traded yeah. send draft pick from Hamilton to Sarnia. I can't remember where he was. Yeah, I think Sorry. it was Sarnia. Anyway, yeah, yeah, all good. Cool. If the Sens ever play again, we'll actually talk about the Senators and some hockey. And stuff, <laughs> but we got to wait until at least Thursday to find out. Yeah, like I'm looking, I'm looking at their their lineups, and I'm thinking, like, what does this even matter right now? <laughs> you know, like, I've got it all written down here. And it's like yeah. it won't make a difference until they play their first game. They're they're, they're going to play against Calgary, though, aren't they? Well, they flew and thought they were playing Edmonton the next day, right? Like, uh, yeah, but Calgary has already had their Calgary. bout. They've already no, kind I of understand. dealt with their COVID. Oh, okay. 
Right, I get that, but we don't know in the next two days what's going to transpire. That's all I'm trying no, no, to say. No, no, fair enough, fair enough. I'm just saying, yeah. They okay. should be playing. Yeah. Matt, what do you yeah. think about that? They're, they they had they flew all the way out to Edmonton to just practice in Edmonton, essentially, for a handful and hang out there. How brutal a road trip is? Is that okay? Like, you're in one place, Go I guess, for a while, but... I'd say yeah. I'd say that it would be a good thing if you weren't um, following all these mandates, like you know, oh, which yeah. whether you agree or disagree doesn't matter. The point is, if you're going over there and you're able to do fun things, that's one thing. But I believe they've re-implemented these pretty strict team rules, right, to eliminate all the COVID stuff. So they're probably just secluded in their rooms, not allowed to do anything, and then go to the rink, come back. So in this case, um, it would suck. I don't know how else yeah. to describe it. I, I don't think it would be very enjoyable. Yeah. I, I, Edmonton, there's not a whole lot to do there when the circumstances are good. Um, and I'm not Especially shitting up. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. And I'm not pooping on Edmonton right now. I'm just saying, <laughs> we're talking about exactly. Yeah. We're, it's January. Like it. It's really cold. And now you've got these new strict rules that, are, that have been implemented by the team, the organization. That's it's right. not ideal. So I'm sure the guys are kind of kicking themselves a little bit, but it's out of their control. I, uh, I only did. I did Edmonton twice, I think, but I, the first time I went to Edmonton, we had a day off. I think we flew in the day before or whatever it was. I went. Yeah. I made sure I went to the mall just so I could see the mall. I'm like, this is and what? this is all I did. Took a twenty dollars like, taxi. Yeah, the West the mall. Edmonton Mall. And like, but but yeah. but as a player, and you guys can both relate to this because you've traveled with the teams and you've been all over the road in the NHL. There are way better malls to go to, right? Like you go to that cool outlet in like Florida. Minnesota. There's a nice mall in New Jersey, yeah. Minnesota. Yeah, like. And the shopping down there mall is much America. better. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, for us to go to a mall in Edmonton doesn't really – that's not a deal maker for anybody, I don't think. It's no, cool for Edmonton, no. but it's like uh, – Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just shit-talking yeah, in the mall now. I, yeah, shit-talking all these I, Canadian <laughs> cities. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, we'll just move on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, there is oh, – hold on. There's one thing uh, – I just saw this in the chat somewhere. Uh, Dylan Sharpley asking, why weren't the Senators games being canceled early on when they had all these cases? Same with the Islanders. It's because they were the, the guinea pigs. If nobody really understood or knew what to do at the time. Yeah, they were the first so team, they, right? Right. Ottawa was really the first team down. And then right away, I think like a few days later, the Islanders were again in the same boat. So they got, yes, did they unfairly maybe have to go through this, but they just didn't know how to deal with it. So I had we got to give them a little bit of a break here with the NHL of saying they just yeah, didn't understand the time of how to handle it. I Everybody yeah. keeps saying, oh, the league is after Ottawa. Well, it could have been any team. The Islanders were right in the same boat, and they had to go through the same thing. So, um, What a grind the, the rest of the season is going to be once they reschedule oh all God. these games, though. They're going to be playing like, ideal. oh, no. that's going to be a battle, especially like on that's our – like, not to, not to I was just going to say like, the, teams, the teams that have all yeah. the depth, are really going to have a huge yeah. advantage, right? Because you're going to see a lot of injuries. Oh, sure. At least I think you're going to with little recovery yeah. like yeah. that between games. It's going to be interesting. Do, do they play 82 games? Ooh. I don't know. Huh. The more this That's goes. That's a good question. Right? I think they really, I think yeah. they really want to. Right. For money, yeah. they they owe money. Then they owe advertisers. They owe oh, television yeah. broadcasters because of all that stuff, mm -hmm. right? There's so much money involved. And then you have to do all these make goods and make them all up for advertising. It's not worth it financially. Yeah. They're going to try and jam yeah. those 82 in. But if this keeps going, are we going to interested to see the toll it takes on the players and how many games they get in? Yeah, it's gonna be right. it's gonna be rough. I couldn't imagine that schedule. Uh, it was bad. Like, no, I mean, it was yeah. bad at other times, and like I mean, they're gonna it's so condensed. 
No, thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we have a content to tell you about. Yeah, yeah. Here, why not do that? Um, yeah, our good friends at Gong Show, right up there. They uh, they gave us a, a puck luck game to give away. <laughs> These things are pretty dope. Uh, incredibly entertaining shooter tutor meets hockey sauce game. Uh, that's sure to have people lining up up at your cottage, um, road trips, beaches, vacations, wherever else you can set this thing up. What a great opportunity to stand a certain distance away from your friends and shoot a puck. Make sure it's six forth. feet. Yeah, exactly. Right. And one of the few things we can do at the moment right now is the, the puck luck game. So why not? Why don't we give one away? Um, if you want, you like it and you want to check it out, head up over to gongshow.com. Oh, my. Uh, but we got a contest. So it's, it's, it's such a bummer that a lot of these kids practices and sports and everything else are getting uh, delayed and shut down just like everything else is at the moment. We wanted to kind of go down memory lane here a little bit. And ha so if you can tweet us a pic. Of your favorite memory playing sports, you can see us right up here uh, with the hashtag Wally Mathot. It will enter you into a chance Matt. to win one of those very dope puck luck games from Gong Show. Uh, winner can be announced on our January twenty fourth show. Yes, do you want to you want to start ripping on these picks because there's some pretty good ones. Okay, just so we're clear, that's uh, in the blue hockey jerseys as Meth and his brother Matt. Um, Meth would be, as you can assume, the guy with his fingers in his mouth. No, that is my no. brother. My younger brother. I'm on the that, left, oh. and um, I, that was I think I'm just upset. I'm upset with my bowl cut. My brother's got a more aggressive <laughs> bowl cut, but I have one too. But that was sort of the style. Where is it? The, um, I think that was '89 or '90. I forget what year that was. But yeah, we were both playing wow. on the same team for that year, and I shouldn't have been in that league at that point. That was my second year playing. And I think I had 100 goals that season. <laughs> so I didn't belong there. It got to the point where I would carry the puck up the ice and then drop pass it to my brother, my younger brother, in the crease, and he would just smack it in the net. <laughs> nice. So yeah. I just want you guys. You guys look up. handsome. Okay. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Um, Alex, if you can zoom the photo of the football uh, uniform, I'm going to explain something here. Um, this is me, by the way, playing football in grade seven. Um, I'm a little embarrassed about this photo. I'm the offensive lineman, by the way. So – when I got to the with football, those legs, <laughs> with those yeah, wait, twigs, so, it, no, it gets worse. I, so we go to football tryouts or whatever happens, and my buddy next to me is like, and I don't know anything about football. This may shock you. And he says, um, when they ask you for offense, you raise your hand. I'm like, okay, cool. I want to play offense. So they said, okay, who wants to be offensive line? And I was like, oh no. So now I'm an offensive lineman. I am the right tackle. <laughs> there is foam under my jer jersey wrapped into my forearms. Uh, each game, there was you can see it hanging out of the jersey. There's pink foam as I'm trying to protect my arms because these much bigger gentlemen are coming after me while I'm playing football. So I'm an <laughs> offensive lineman. Yeah, look at that. Oh, you can see great. there's the pink that's foam. That's awesome. That is horrendous. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, that was you any, the best you any... he could of himself. Yeah, were you any yeah. good here? Were you any good as an offensive tackle? I never gave up a sack or anything. Okay, um, that's good. Our team dominated, so um, no one got by me. That's good. Yeah. Number 11, that's, kind that's, of a weird number for the offensive line, but okay. It's fine. I, yeah, probably the only thing that fit me. Yeah, 66 was just too big. Yeah, I couldn't find – Craig, I didn't know – Yeah, go ahead. I was yeah. going to say, well, I didn't know Craig – I didn't know Craig was a Raider. You were an Nepean Raider? Oh boy, there's a story there. But yes, I played there for a little bit, and then and then I, I my career took me elsewhere in, in hockey. But um, 
I was going to say, that's the, that's the old, how old were you in that picture there, Brett? Let's figure out how much older you are than me. <laughs> Look at those brown Which pads. Is, I would say we're oh, as a goalie there. What? I'm going to be, gonna, oh, geez. I'm going to eight, nine. Okay. I'm Am probably I like, that? I might be 10, 11 in this picture. Yeah. So, I'm going to okay. say maybe 10 or 11. The yeah. Advancement in that, goalie gear alone. The, uh, the, the rink boards, by the way, it's chain link fencing as the glass <laughs> for my arena. <laughs> like I miss wire. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We yeah. were that. Like, we're, I still remember a tournament we played in in Hapatsuye, <laughs> like just outside of Quebec uh, City. I think mm. I forget where it is exactly. But uh, everybody smoked in the building. We won the tournament. It was Pee Wee, I think. But um, same thing, chain link fence. Fans are right above you, and everyone was hacking darts in the building. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember that, but it was wild, man. Like you're trying to play a hockey game as a kid, and you're just breathing in all this cigarette smoke. <laughs> yeah, my dad. My dad's a big anyway. fan of the show here, so he hear this. But yeah, that was we. We used to commute a little bit once I started getting a little older, played a little further out. And yeah, he would just like couple darts to and from, and then it's like, hey, where'd my sports oh, yeah. induced asthma come from, Dad? Well, and that was funny. Yeah, like, <laughs> he's, my he's, brother, he quit my... years ago. He's good, but yes, I took the. Yeah, I was a kid. <laughs> it's it was normal. My brother played oh, with yeah. the 67s, right? And Brian Kilray, Brian Kilray was hacking mm -hmm. sto the stogies at the oh, front yeah. of the bus the whole time, and it was like not a big. And that was that was not that long ago, by the way. <laughs> and he was still smoking cigars, so yeah. um, a lot has changed over the years. Yeah, well, I, I did the world championships in Zurich. Um, I, I don't know. If, I think, Matt, were you not in Zurich? Anyway, they were smoking in yeah. the building. Like, you could see the blue haze over top. Yeah, I'm like, I was the there. world championships, and they're just doing darts left and right. How yeah, did we let yeah, that go crazy. on for so long? How did we let people smoke inside it's for crazy. we did? Why did we Airplanes. do that? Airplanes. <laughs> Hospital. Guys, you, like, I used to go. Guys. I was 18, 17 or 18, and I used to go to Cosmo. It was across the, across the way on the Quebec side, the bar. It was a club. Most most of us were all underagers. And, um, you know, we'd pre-drink at the house, get in the car, go to Cosmo. And uh, everyone was smoking cigarettes in there. Like everybody. It was very normal, you know. And so you'd get home. And I'm young, so I didn't know any better. I'd get to bed. I didn't, I didn't shower. No, and then in the next morning, I'd wake <laughs> up. You hop in the hot shower, and you could just smell the smoke coming off your hair and yeah. your body. It was crazy. Just goes to show you how toxic that shit was. <laughs> yeah, man. And they just used to do it all the so, time. We talked about our parents and stuff, but like, yeah, you're right, man. Yeah. Everywhere you, you used to be able to smoke smoking and non smoking yep. in restaurants. It's like, how do you, everything's smoking then? Come on. We let them run, run too so, much. If there's any smokers out there, enough. They, enough of this. Yeah. They say smoking turns your hair gray, by the way. Um, I will take oh, this point Wally. to say I used to smoke. So, oh, uh, that's not good. Here, but here it is. So I covered the Montreal Canadiens in 1997, and I'm standing at the glass at the Molson Center, and the Buffalo Sabres are skating, and everybody was smoking in the building. Like, we're in Quebec. So I'm just on a dart, whatever, and he taps on the glass. And this is Rob Ray. You can't smoke in here. And I was like, this is the middle of his practice. I'm like, yes, we can. No, you can't. And I'm like, yeah, we can. So I, I just oh, walk away. In the locker room afterwards, he sees me. He goes, hey. What are you doing? And I'm like, we're allowed to smoke in the building. He's like, do you not know how bad that is for you? And the other guy I'm with, Barry Morgan from Sportsnet at the time, who's a worse smoker than I was, actually stepped away. He was like, yeah, Brent. <laughs> it's like, wait a sec. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm getting yelled at by Brad, by Rob Ray, and I was terrified. Anyway, I think that may have been the last time I ever smoked in the building when the players were skating. I just, it never clued into me at the time, obviously, about not smoking around the players. Yeah. When did you quit? When did you quit smoking? How long ago? 
Uh, you still you don't smoke. Okay, you don't smoke now. I haven't seen no, you no. smoke, so you don't no. smoke today. I mean, uh, two thousand and four ish. Okay. Do you ever miss Wally, it? Somewhere if you, around. If yeah. you crack a white water, do you get tempted to light one up? No, I I didn't like to smoke when I drank. <laughs> I was the opposite. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I thought I was I'm hoping car- that my 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 kids aren't listening. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I thought it was fun that Carlo was ragging on you for just eating like regular chips too. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> fits, right, fits right in on the plate. They're so good. You just, and uh... I, I feed them, my, my dog and I, we share a bag together sometimes. Yeah. You shouldn't feed your dog like chips. Nice. That's what Craig says. Yeah, yeah, my, oh, someone was, ri- well, someone was ripping on me in the chat here a second ago, asking why I shave the mustache and leave the beard. And it's... Uh, oh, that's I like it. Best. That's You always do that. Yeah, the wife hates the mustache. She doesn't like it. So, and I don't like being baby faced because I look like an idiot. So you kind of have yeah. to balance it out. So you kind of treat it. Sometimes really? I'll let it grow in. Yeah. Okay. I let it grow. Okay. I let it grow <laughs> once for, uh, this, the entire season. I, like it was like September, uh, October to like April or whatever it was. And like, it was so long and ridiculous, but yeah, I, the wife hates, hates the mustache stubble. So I keep See, it short there. Mine, mine hates it when I'm clean shaven. Like I, I hate growing okay. beards. I like to be clean shaven and professional looking, but like, what does that say about my relationship <laughs> that she, she needs me to mask my it. face in order for her to be able to look at me. Oh. She likes a handsome boy, a, a rugged, yes. burly, handsome boy. I think it works good. Wally, yeah. are you going to grow yeah. it? You, what's, what's the longest you've let it go? We've seen some stubble on here before. Wally doesn't grow it out ever. <laughs> I, so I never was never allowed to at TSN either. Yeah. You had to have a full beard or no beard. So, but I there's a few shows early on where I did. I was like, I don't want to shave anymore. I don't have to. I don't need to be on TV or whatever. And people got mad at me in the chat and they were sending me notes and they were like, shave that right now. So I just shave it now. I would grow because, it because sure, a little not? a little scruff just looks like you look disheveled. Dirty. But if you commit to it for like yeah. two weeks, then you look starts to look normal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, I'll try. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> there he is. Matt, you should do that. No. Go for the I full can't. beard. No, I can't. You and no I chance. could be like ZZ Top for Halloween. <laughs> so, those guys make it look cool. So, I can't, I'm not chirping ZZ Top. Anyway. Man, I, I want to say it was like right. 20, 2015, 2016 or so. There was a stretch where everybody on the Sens, they were all growing their hair long. Like, Matthew, you had it pretty long for a while, yeah. though, too, I remember. My, like, like my hair? And, hair? Like, or my yeah, yeah, hair. Your, your hair. Yeah. Just the long flow. Head hair. Yeah. yeah. I, had a, I don't know why. That was unfortunate. Like, I look back at some of those pics. Why didn't I just cut it? Why what was I doing? Some guys yeah, don't look guys. good. I looked like Vigo from Ghostbusters. You know, like the Carpathian, <laughs> the guy like it like doesn't I don't know, not a great hairline. It didn't look good. But then guy like Eric walks in looking like Fabio. I'm like, and I'm, maybe I'm trying to look like him. I don't know what I was doing. Yeah, we had a lot of Mika had long hair, Jared Cowan had long hair. Like there was a stretch where I was on yeah. like hair oh, man bun. reporting. It was terrible. Yeah. It was awful. Jared Brent, what about you? What's the longest you the man bun? bun. If, if you can't I, grow the so beard, happy. I imagine you never look at your hair for a long. I'm so happy. You know all the gym bros that were walking around with those man buns yeah. for a while? I'm so yeah. happy that phase is gone. It was painful. Oh, my. doesn't look good. Last. Yeah. No. 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 Brent, what's Same the longest you've let the – and the hair band. Ah, I think Alfie's hair I think it looks, band. He... looks like he's – Is anybody <clears> – Craig, is anybody even uh-huh. listening to us at this point? I think are we still live? We, this is just feels feels like this is the conversation we have afterwards. Anyways, it's like, how Brent, how yeah. long was your hair? Uh, yeah, you smoked. That yeah, kind of stuff. So, We're just peeling the onion today. I like it. Um, grade eight, I think, was the longest my hair was ever. I think it like touched so, like maybe below the collar. Nice. 
Yeah, that was about it. But that's when I had my collar pop too. So a great eight. Oh my God. Yeah, that's probably they it. weren't ready in high school for that. I have lots of stories. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Okay. It's a good idea. <laughs> we'll uh we'll be back on Thursday. We're hoping we're gonna have a senator join us at that time. Uh, we're still working on logistics, as you can tell. The things that are going on in Edmonton is fluid. So we're hoping uh, we will have a Ottawa senator guest for you on Thursday. But for now. That is the Volume of Thought Show. Boys, uh, thanks again to Carlo Coliaco for coming on. Uh, great time with him. And we will see you in a few days.